I knew this would wit on you, mother, and orphan you. But I found my destiny. So I abandoned my son. I still love you, Dad. where we watch and review action movies through a critical lens. I am one of your hosts, Ethan Willard. And I'm the third host, Andy. Because today we have the founding father himself. The the founding father? Yeah. Co-founding. Sure. You're so <laughs> humble. <laughs> Johnny Gaynor, baby. Hello, hello. hello. Yeah. Um, He's a werewolf. Yes. Yes. That's how. That's why I had to leave the show. Mm-hmm. I had my Twilight episode. Mm. I went. I went rogue. I've learned an awful lot about Twilight. Oh yeah. Because uh, Laura has since finished all of the audiobooks uh, and has also watched all the movies. She would finish a book and then watch the movie and then finish a book and then watch the movie, and just like listening to her <laughs> watch the movie, you'd think that they're comedies. Because she was just hooting and hollering the entire time. That's the best. <laughs> what is your familiarity with him? With Twilight. Yeah. The baseball scene. Okay. Yeah. So they, they're glowing. The Yeah. The vampires glow and they're vegetarian because they don't want to like kill things. Mm-hmm. Something called the Voltori, which is like the old vampires. Mm. And then Jacob is a werewolf. And he's supposed to be indigenous, but the actor that they got is just white. <laughs> I don't think I ever put that together. Yeah. 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 Rick would, told me that. I would argue that one of the best scenes in cinema is when she hops on his back and he sprints up the mountain. Oh, yeah. Oh, which one's that? It's from the first movie. He's like, Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? He's like, hop on. And then there's some really <laughs> terrible CGI of him. <laughs> running light speed up this mountain and it's it's so funny are you guys aware of the fifth follow-up book midnight sun no it is the events of twilight written from edward's perspective oh, hell yeah sounds familiar apparently it's very deranged yeah um, that guy was a sicko i can I'm imagine not yeah. surprised yeah well we just kind of dove right into it, but yeah, this is uh, this commando prom today. We're talking about Ad Astra, banger of a film, at least in my and I think Andy's opinion. Johnny, I'm not sure how you feel about it yet. Jury's out. Um, but I didn't do this the last episode because you're moving real fast. If you like our intro song, it is Two Mellows, The Welcoming, off of Atmospheric Horror Music Volume 2. 
And also, if you like this podcast, you can review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. No rating lower than a five, please and thank you. Them's the uh, rules. It just, yeah, just won't accept it if you try to go any lower. So don't even try. You get, this, also have... you get this really bad virus on your computer. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's nasty. And then you get COVID. Yeah. Is that what happened to my mm-hmm. computer? Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you just you, you quit the pod and then you gave us a really bad review. <laughs> I put a one star. I said Ethan stinks and then my laptop stopped turning <laughs> Jesus. on. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Hey. Um, also, if you want to follow us on social, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Commando Prompt Pod. Um, we're not very active on there. Uh, I'm trying to be. Yeah, I thought you've been doing a great job. Thank you. Oh, uh, Andy, I unfollowed Britney Spears on her Instagram because she was freaking <laughs> me out, dude. What are you talking about? Her content I mean, is... She doesn't seem like she's doing too good. Oh, uh, she's just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing good. Doing <laughs> this movie kind of fucked me up. How? Okay, so... What are your high level thoughts of it? Um, I stared at the the credits like, well, do you watch it with Spencer? The first half, yeah, uh, and then the second half I watched alone, and then the stream that we you were said, using didn't beat it. <laughs> I said, like, "Get out of here! I gotta watch this by myself." And then the second half we didn't have credits on the stream platform I was using. Oh, interesting. So it just ended black. It just ended, and then it was just my reflection with the TV. Yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of stared at that for a little while. Um, That's dope. It was uh, cool. Yeah. I kind of preferred it that way. That's kind of not out of um, character for the movie itself, to be it, honest. It yeah. was a little too on the nose, yeah. The blackness of space and also just staring at yourself, looking deep. Exactly. Yeah, I'm very excited to... Uh, to talk about it ever since Andy you turned me on to the end of the world pod and I've learned about the great filter and the likelihood that we might be alone in the universe um well not likelihood people theorize that we could be um but anyway um yeah I'm so happy that you came came on for this episode John boy of course no Thanks, worries dude. <clears throat> yeah um well we didn't do the rec section last time because we were just barreling through. I didn't know if you brought any recs. I thought you got rid of it. Well, I didn't know what happened. It just didn't, ha- I guess. I was a dummy before. I didn't ask Justin before the episode how much time he had right. until we started recording. He's like, I have an hour. And I was like, oh, boy. You. I thought that was so smooth. I mean, it didn't feel rushed or anything. Like, that was great. Oh, man. But the guy just kept on recommending his books, and I was like, dude. (laughs) What's up with that? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's a Scottish thing. Um, Yeah, did you have any recs? Yeah, I mean, are are there any limitations on recommendations? No. I just wanted to make sure. No. We've Um, gone, I mean, Andy has recommended recommended like a play, hmm. experiences. Could really be anything. Yeah, I mean, I currently it's finding renewed joy in my hacky sack i've been footbagging again is this a bit no okay <laughs> nope spencer and i will do a little bit of hacky sacking oh yeah that's um, nice and i discovered elder scrolls morrowind oh i was hoping you would bring it up and the third one would probably be getting read to aloud by your partner what she read you? <laughs> you know 
Iron Flame? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so my, yeah, right now it's just been kind of those three things. Like if I had to recommend. Oh, yeah. yeah. Andy, Iron Flame is at the stockholder meeting. I recommended that book. It's the Horny Dragon book. That oh, I was talking yeah, about. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer and Johnny have been reading them. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's uh, damn, there's some horny dragons. Hey, I mean, there's the dragons. The well, ima- I. <laughs> you got you're talking about yourself, I, there, weren't you? <laughs> I've Reading never, I've never felt like a prude before until I oh, wrote, was shit. reading those books, and I was like, my god, <laughs> yeah, yeah. these dragons be fucking. Highly recommend. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, fucking aside, it is good. It is. Good. Um, I think the characters are written pretty well and stuff. Yeah. Please talk more about Morrowind. Well, this game is incredible. It's amazing uh, graphics. It can play on my computer. <laughs> yeah, Andy, have you played any of the Elder Scrolls? No, but Skyrim, I've heard Skyrim, Oblivion. I've heard so much about them. I'm not really like a PC game. I mean, I'm not like a gamer. If by by the means of how a lot of people are, I I very much play just one game. So. What Res- game do you play? Resident Evil. Oh. Well, yeah, I, I play. I've been playing a lot of Resident Evil, but lately I've just been doing uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Hell yeah! Ooh, excuse me. Try- <laughs> <laughs> like, I am there. not a uh, gamer by any means at all, um, but my PC isn't really up to to par, and this game's from like 2002, maybe. That sounds right. And so it runs, and it was back when uh, Toonami was still doing reviews on Cartoon Network. Hell yeah! Because they reviewed Morrowind. But it's just an amazing. <laughs> le- it's just a very hard game. It's addicting. It's fun. I was going to ask you because when I I I think I shouldn't have played it as a thirteen year old because I just didn't <laughs> no. know that much about it, and I could never get past the first area because I would just die. Yeah, no. I I saw my friend Derek Riley. Mm. give it a little shout out he uh played it in front of me when we were like 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. and his mom asked if we wanted cheese steaks and i said yes and i for some reason thought they were cheese sandwiches (laughs) and i didn't eat like beef at that time what did you think the steak part of it was (laughs) but he was playing and she brought in these meat sandwiches and i cried and i called my mom to come home all right oh there you go oh it's it's a great game um i have a lot of questions the first question is, um, what race did you pick? Oh, Breton. Interesting. Yeah, magic build. Uh, Battle yeah. mage. Battle. Okay. Yep. Have you? Are you able to kill anything? Yeah. That was my biggest hurdle. You just have to get past, like one excruciating night. Okay. Is it? Am I? Was I playing it wrong? Like I, I was like, I guess at the time I was playing like a melee guy. I couldn't hit anything. No, like that's you would how you swing, start. Yep. but you can't hit anything. Yeah, so it's all based on your character build. This is so not interesting. Oh, it's very interesting. <laughs> no, <to me. laughs> it just depends on like, yeah, the race you pick, even the gender you pick affects mm-hmm. your, it's so in depth of like what you pick and then that affects how, what percentage of a chance you'll have to hit an opponent. So It's a lot like D&D and there's a roll of dice, there's a luck element to it. Okay. Yeah. There's a reason why uh, people who like the Elder Scrolls games, Morrowind is their favorite. Yeah, I think it's really good. Um, now tell me about Fourth Wing and Iron. You read Fourth Ring. 
I read 50 pages. And then she read to you. Yes. (laughs) So nice. I was really struggling to pay attention, and Spencer's just obsessed with these books. So she. Paying attention because you weren't interested? I think I'm just struggling to pay attention. Yeah. In in life. And so she just kind of stepped in and uh, kept it going. She, She loves them. And I really like them too, but. Did she hear about them? Did I talk to her about them? Or did you she, told she you recommended, and then her mom gave her the books. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Lynch is reading the horny dragon book. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and they are horny. I think the sex scenes are written really well. Yes, they're just made me feel like a prude. Yeah. Um. No, that, it's fun. Good. I'm happy you guys are liking them. Yeah. Do you finish Iron Flame yet? No. Okay. No, she stopped reading out loud to me, so now I'm on my own. <laughs> and I have to finish. <laughs> well, good news. There will be five books in the series. Oh, boy. Yeah. They're long, Andy. They're really long. How long are they? Like 80 pages? Yeah. <laughs> no. Like, actually, like... The first ones are... Ran- I don't think the first one gets past 500, but the second book is like 600. And maybe that's not long to other people. I don't know. Lately, I've been struggling to pay attention to things. There is an argument amongst the uh, the uh, like the book talkers of the world of like... There's, like, there's this uh, tendency for fantasy books to be like 500 plus pages, and there's an argument of being like, do they have to be that long? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that I think could have been cut out. Yeah, yeah. Um, that said, I love a big book. Yeah. Those are your racks? Those are my racks. I'm sticking with them. Beautiful. Andy, what you got for me? So last time we were talking about Drew Goddard, and I mentioned that I watched Cabin in the Woods, and I really wanted to talk about it last time. <laughs> so I'm going to do it now. Please. So this movie rules. It came out in 2011. Um, so Drew Goddard, he, he produced Alias Lost the Martian, and this is fun because he did some of the Cloverfield stuff. Um. That's why I recognize that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and other things. Daredevil, the TV show. Um, Hmm. but it's, it's cool because it's like such a campy horror movie, but it's like, it's being campy on purpose to the point of irony so like everything's like heightened so all the stereotypes yeah. like they've got a whole cast like very obviously so christian Connolly plays the smart girl chris hemsworth plays like the dumb jock and uh hutchinson plays like the sexy girlfriend of the dumb jock uh fran kranz plays like the stoner smart guy intellectual jesse williams plays like the new kid he I didn't recognize oh most of these people. I forgot he's in there. Yeah, yeah. Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> um, and then Richard Jenkins, he's been in a lot of stuff. He plays like a scientist. Um, okay. He was in Shape of Water, Burn After Reading, Step Brothers. And then Bradley Whitford, a place that, like the other, his, you know, other scientist guy, he was on West Wing and, and uh, Get Out. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, so it's like um, like the first 20 minutes is kind of like high school kids go to a cabin in the woods, it's the name of the movie, and um, <laughs> there's a lot of references to, um, uh, why am I, Evil Dead, um, and it's like mm. almost like to a T, like a lot of the shots are like very much the same, and as you're, you know, as you're watching, you're like, I know where this is going, 
Um, but then things start to change and it goes a completely different direction and it just gets really, really weird. Um, yeah. but it's, it, that's what makes it so fun. Cause it's just like so self-aware and it just, yeah, it goes off the rails. But, um, I'd recommend this movie to horror fans, especially because there's tons of references. Um, but I also recommend it to people who are who are curious because it's not that scary and it is no, very it's not. and it is very fun. And the third act feels more like an action movie, like kind of a shoot 'em up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I had a great time. It it goes by really quickly. It's an easy watch, um, and it's also yeah, it's just super fun to kind of pick out all the different references that they make from lots of like very popular horror movies. So yeah, highly recommend. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I don't remember if we were talking about this in the last episode or bef- at some point, but Rick and I recently watched Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yes, and um, I think we've talked about that a few times. But um, uh, another on the list of Yorgos Lanthimos's films is The Lobster. It came out in 2016, mm-hmm. so we watched that mm-hmm. as well, and it it was so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> it, The Lobster is fun. Yeah, so it also stars Colin Farrell. Um, premise basically he's a recently single man living in a society where it's illegal to be single and when, uh. <laughs> when you are you are required to go through a quote-unquote rehab program where the goal is to become <laughs> desirable and to find a partner and if That's you scary. and if you don't um you get turned to turned into an animal of your choice um, but if you find a partner, then have you not seen it? Even? No. Oh, it's so. And bad. I had no idea what the plot is either. Yeah, I was really I was good. kind of debating on whether or not like how much to give away on the surface because this this is the kind of the kind of a movie where it's like weird and you pick up little crumbs along as you watch it and like you're not like just the stuff that Yorgos does is just like so socially awkward. Like a lot of the things that people do, you're like, what the hell? Like, why are you doing that? Um, so I, I didn't want to give too much away, but that is a, a pretty spoken about plot line, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, it's funny because Colin's character chooses to be a lobster if he doesn't succeed in the program and he says it's <laughs> because, um, they often to live to be a hundred and he likes the ocean. So those are pretty good reasons, I think. Yeah. To which he it's was a the real thing. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, Okay. Um, definitely in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, they're out there. But um, it's a uh, very dry, very deadpan, hilarious. Yeah. Um, it's it's somehow very dark and cynical, but also like sweet and endearing at the same time. It's so I don't know how he does it. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but if I had to describe it, it's like a it's almost like a dramatic romantic comedy, but then also like art house horror. At the same time, okay, it's but, eerie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, his uh, most recent movie, Poor Things, is up for Best Picture. The Oscars coming yeah. up. So. Oh, I didn't know that was him. But uh, that is um, that is definitely on my list. I'm going to try and watch that before I find I, out yeah. if they want. Yeah, but here it's good. I gotta watch that one. I gotta watch the favorite, et cetera, et cetera. I know it's hard. Uh, it's hard when the list keeps growing. Mm-hmm. Can I piggyback off of your wreck, Andy, and ask what everybody's animal would be if you had to? Oh, that's a good question. 
I was actually yeah. thinking about this the other day. Um, if they weren't hunted so much, I think I'd want to be a duck. I think their lives are pretty chill. Yeah. But huh. but the fact that they get hunted very regularly, <laughs> I have to change That's it to something else. But floating on top of that water does look nice. So at least it's not a fucking goose. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I forgot you hate geese. You that hate geese. Awesome. Geese hater. What would you be, Johnny? Oh. I mean, did you? why did you pick fox? Let me turn it over to you. It's my favorite animal. That's what I was just going to say, my favorite animal. <laughs> <laughs> but mine's kind of like the lobster. It has like a good choice maybe in the end, but my favorite's a sea turtle. So. Aw. Oh, that's it, it great. It seems chill. Not snapping. No. No. No, like a, like a long... <laughs> Wait, hold on. Are they, are they called long neck? I don't know. Like a tortoise? What are you describing? <laughs> no, one that like floats in the deep sea. Yeah. A turtle. Yeah, like a sea turtle. All right. Long neck sea turtle? A Ethan, long do you, neck. Do you not know what sea turtles are, Ethan? No, I do know what they are. Why is this being <laughs> turned on me? <laughs> something like that. Very similar answer to Andy's. Just something chill. Yeah. Just floating out there. Didn't think, Andy, that you'd pick duck. I don't know. I guess I could pick something like... Cool. No, I'm not saying you have to. Is pick that your favorite else. animal? Not really. My favorite animal is the shark. But oh, that's another. I don't good know. Choice. Everyone's scared of sharks, including yeah. But me. A Gre- Greenland sharks live long time. Mm-hmm. If that's the goal, I don't know. Just because the lobster picked that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, uh... I like a parrot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> One that can talk. Yeah, yeah that, someone who has like tricks. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'd love a parrot with just your voice, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> the tone and everything mm-hmm. is the same. So, man, what's going on? <laughs> what else you got for us? That's it. That's it. I guess. All right. I'm fucking. I got. I got. I think three. Um, when you guys look at me, what's the first thing you think of? Fox. Mm, <laughs> Volcano. Okay, I was gonna say anime lover. Oh, um, oh, that's, that was my second guess. Yeah, even though I'm not really like, I've seen some anime. You know, I don't dislike it. Uh, I just don't watch it very often. But I'm playing a what I would describe as an anime as hell video game right now. Uh-huh. Um, called <laughs> here we go, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. <laughs> Um, it is based off of a, believe it or not, a 2014 mobile game that like exploded <laughs> and is very popular apparently. Mobile game. Um, and then from there they made two seasons of anime. Okay. And then they made a fighting game called Grand Blue Versus that people really like. And then this was their first for like this was their first true blue console game. Mm. Um, and it's so fucking good. Um, <clears throat> it's basically just, it's basically just a road trip game. It's just best buds on a, on an airship. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I say about this fucking game makes me sound like a nerd. No, no. Um, we were talking about Morrowind. That is true. Um, it's just a, the combat. I've never played, uh, like a JRPG with as snappy combat. Um, it just feels so good to play and every character of which there are 20 
oh wow plays substantially different than the than the like any of the other ones so it it just has so many like different play styles you could do i've been really enjoying it um and i want more people to know about it nice um the second one is uh, this video another video game that just came out hell divers 2 have you heard about it? no okay no um it's no, basically starting Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. I'll stop talking about video games in a second. I'm just joking, man. Um, it's basically Starship Trippers the game. Oh shit! Um, you like the like it starts out with like saying like isn't aren't family family values the best, et cetera, et cetera, and then you see a bug come in from off screen and just completely eviscerate this family. My and God. then like it smash cuts you into like the tutorial where you're going through boot camp and it's like teaching you all this stuff and the tone is extremely Starship Troopers. You get your own ship that you can name. Uh but the the naming structure, it has a bunch of preset things. So it has like it has the first thing and then it has the second second thing. So mine is the legislator of audacity. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been playing with uh, one of my best pals, Evan. His is the mother of patriotism or something like that. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, um, he loves America. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, your whole goal is to defend Super Earth against bugs that look remarkably like the Starship Trooper bugs. And uh, automatons, which look remarkably like the the T one thousand or whatever from Terminator, um, and it's just one of the best co op games I've ever played. I've been only basically playing it with Evan. It's just a ton of fun. It's so good. Nice. You said it was console. Yeah, yeah. Do the NPC. Ma- do the makers of this po- uh, of the video of that game listen to our podcast? Do a- you guys? I was kind of making a joke because like. We talked about that movie and then also the RoboCop. Uh, oh, you think they made it in response to our podcast? Moving on. Okay. <laughs> and then the final thing I've just been because things have been super stressed. I'm I'm in the middle of moving, and so I've been going back to all my creature comforts, and I've been rewatching Fringe, and mm. that show continues to kick ass. I love that show. Is that like Bones? No, it's X Files. Nice, more or less. Yeah, Yeah. which. Oh, I love X Files. I I thought you were gonna say you love Bones. (laughs) I don't know what Bones is. A bad show is what it is. (laughs) For some reason, when you said that, I thought they were related. Andy, I really like how your room is getting darker. I just when I looked over, it's getting darker. Yeah, you look like you're disappearing. Is anything Uh, sneaking up on me? uh, I'll let you know. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so those are those are all my wrecks. Um, we're going to take a little break here, and then we will roll into the production zone and then the movie. We are back, and now we are going to roll into the production zone. And goddammit, Andy, third time running, I forgot to write a synopsis. Oh, no, that's uh, cool. I'm sorry. No, I, I mean, I can I can kind of touch on that. Brad is sad, and he's going in space to find his dad. Oh, <laughs> it all rhymes. Seuss. 
Okay. <laughs> um, very cool. Yeah, this movie's so good. I've I've been so excited to talk about this. Um, we were just talking off mic that Johnny and I have never heard of this until Ethan recommended us to do it for an episode, and Aww. we were trying to figure out why we've never heard of it. I don't have an answer for that. Um, I I guess I don't know. I maybe we can. If you guys know more about this than me, it's like I feel I don't just no one was talking about it, and also like I feel like it got better critical reviews than user reviews. But I yes, but like what I saw, yeah. So like I don't know, like what the reason would be that people didn't like it, but I thought it was incredible. But anyway, we'll get into that. So James Gray directed this movie, co-wrote it. Um, he did We Own the Night, Two Lovers, The Immigrant, Velocity of Z or Z for our European brethren. Um, Arm, Arm, you're welcome. Armageddon Time. Um, he is a huge space nerd. He had Ah, astronaut posters on his wall as a kid. Um, what kind of posters did you guys have on your wall? I didn't really have many. Probably just didn't have any. Oh man, I was a dino freak. Oh Mm. hell yeah, that's great. Yeah. So he and Ethan Gross, the, he co-wrote it, um, which I was stoked to hear, Ethan, that you're watching Fringe. He wrote a few episodes on Fringe. James did. Uh, or e- Ethan did. Ethan Gross. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, that you know, everything connects. It's it's lovely. Um, they started working on this in 2011. They wanted to, cre- to create, like, a mythic story as though Odysseus has gone on a journey for, you know, however many, on his journey for, like, however many years, 20 years, whatever. But then uh-huh. the story takes place from his son's perspective, Telemachus. So, you know, that plays into how they wrote the movie. Yeah. So they set out to make a sci-fi movie, a space movie, but, like, kind of do it in a new way. Um, he he talks a lot about how some a lot of the sci-fi movies that he likes, it's always about encountering the intelligent life that you're looking for. Like, is it good? Is it bad? But this movie explores more of like, what if you go way out there and you don't find anything? What then? And like, what kind of implications does that have for us and our role in the universe? Um, so, so he quotes Arthur C. Clarke. Um, he co-wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both ideas are equally terrifying. Which I love that it's true. <laughs> like you know, the idea that there, there are aliens out there. How would we even communicate with them? How would we interact with them? But then also the idea that like we're the only ones, and we're kind of killing each other down here. Uh, mm. You know, what are the implications of that? <laughs> I think I, <clears throat> I think us being alone is far more unsettling than something being out there. At least to me. I I completely agree. I. I think for some people who kind of think beyond the confounds of Earth or believe in climate change, um, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe there's someone out there that has been through this and can tell us how to escape it. <laughs> and and uh, for that, for for us to kind of rely on ourselves at this point, doesn't feel very promising. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be Bob, the artist Bob. <laughs> oh damn! Yeah, I forgot about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll save us. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he references, um. You know, Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey. It's you know, as kind of 
getting out of that cliche of like we meet an alien and what happens after that um you know it's kind yeah. of this lonely journey you're going way out there and you know not, i mean they do come across things but it's not like this is an alien or this is intelligent life andy have you ever watched or johnny ever watched accidentally any of gray's other films at all no i no he wasn't I, really on my radar much Nope. I've I started the Lost City of Z and fell asleep. I've heard of that one. I heard that one's good too. Never heard heard saw it. But then he also he also um talks about how um you know ET kind of does a similar thing. Like obviously he literally is interacting with a alien, but it's more a the movie is more centered around the relationship of like a like a lonely boy and kind of like a lost right. you know yeah. other character. So it's not centered around like like ah, an alien and um, <laughs> yeah and uh so it also couples um he he does talk a lot about how this movie is kind of a coupling between 2001 and apocalypse now which mm. i was i was very proud of myself when i was like this movie feels a lot like apocalypse now <laughs> and he did that intentionally so I should really watch Apocalypse now. Is that with Bruce Willis? No. <laughs> oh, nope, never mind. Nope, nope. <laughs> I think you're thinking of Die Hard. <laughs> no, we did this one time before. That's that oh PS1 yeah, video yeah, game. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yep, yep, yep. Never mind, I always I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think of what. There's a PlayStation There's a bad game. PlayStation 1 video game called Apocalypse that Bruce, oh. Bruce Willis is the star of, and it has very similar font to Apocalypse Now. <laughs> gotcha. That makes sense. Yep. So the movie, I don't know. I would love to hear what you guys think, but the movie to me felt very intimate and felt very, it felt very organic. Um there were moments when I was just watching it and I literally said like, wow, out loud, like just like how beautiful everything was. Oh my God. Yeah. And, um, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that they avoid using much digitization. Like they, they shot it on 35 millimeter film. They did like tons of practical effects. They tried to use CGI as little as possible. I did not find any, evidence in my research that they used it much at all i mean i i guess like with the shots of like the spaceships flying some of the shots and stuff. Just unreal and i was wondering how they did it like the whole the pirate rover scene on on mm. on the moon yeah, that one is really good. flying into mars the fucking like rings of neptune it's yeah. wild so i mean this is a little bit of like studio magic that goes beyond my movie knowledge but i know that they um for the the moon scene, they shot that in I was it, it was a desert in the states somewhere. I forget which specific desert, but it was shot on location. So it was just it was all practical. Like it was just you know pe- huh. people and uh, they they created their own little like dune buggy crafts, moon rovers, whatever you'd call that, and actually shot them like yeah driving around. And it's great that you mentioned the the shots of the planets as well. They um he decided to go with, and Kubrick did this as well in 2001, um, they used, like, actual photos of the planets. I was wondering, So yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't CGI, so it was just actual, like, footage of the, the places, so I think that helped to make everything, like, look more crisp and real. Definitely. Ridiculous. Um, and yeah, they, like, like I was saying, like, everything's practical. They, they built 
all the sets. Um, so anytime they were in like space shuttles or whatever, um, they shot. They made two of each type of set. They so they would have like a horizontal one for like close ups stuff where they could just like stand there, and then for anything where they were doing zero gra- gravity stuff, they shot it vertically like with them suspended, so they could actually huh. like float around and interact with each other. So yeah, it it just like the whole movie feels incredible. It's very impactful. It it made me emotional at points. It was it was so good. And I think yeah. I think a lot of that goes to uh Hoyt Van Hoytema. I am I saying that right? Hoyt Van Hoytema. I don't know. I I heard someone say it earlier today and I forget how to say it. But that's right. He worked on her Tenet, Nope, Oppenheimer and then most relevant to this movie Interstellar. So he's the sim- huh. cin- cinematographer. And um, you know, just a lot of that that shit was just his vision. Interesting. Beautiful. And then I don't know if you noticed all of the they did a lot of very intentional lighting to express mood and relationships of the characters right. that are on screen and and I noticed a lot of connections between this movie and 2001 and how they used mm-hmm. light because especially when you're in, you know, the depths of space where it's just nothingness and blackness yeah. and yeah. using these vibrant colors to to communicate emotion it was it was beautiful. Yeah, I felt like there's a lot of blue and red depending mm-hmm. on yeah, what mm-hmm. what moods he was going through. And like how they used the colors like when they were on the different planets. Mm-hmm. Like um where was the they went to Mars first, so everything was red. Everything in the background was red. And then when they made their way out to like towards Neptune it was just like very blue. Just all blue. Yeah. Yeah, so it, cool. I'm gonna mm, I have a point, but I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna wait. Okay. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Um and then uh I mean also just all of the sound design was was so good. Um, oh yeah, that my was God. the best thing that I wrote down. Um Max Richter's score was just about yeah. Was like inspiring, but it was also like doomy and like creepy and noisy and they also um tried to make the the sound design as practical as possible. They actually used um, electromagnetic waves transmitted from the planets, from the specific what? planets that they visited, and then they trans <laughs> they translated that into sound. So when you have the shots of them like approaching the planets, and you kind of hear all these like knocks and creaks coming from the ship, like that was right. all like actual recordings, and then and then they in, like interposed. That's not a real word, but that with the with the 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 literal sounds coming from the planets. Damn. So yeah, that's that's EDM I can get on board with. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I was like because I haven't really spent much time with with James Gray. I was checking out like a lot of his interviews and stuff, and he's just like so smart. And I think a lot of why what what made this movie feel so good to me was just how everything was so intentional and I, I use the word intentional um, in their sets, like for the ships, even like the buttons, all the controls in, yeah. in the shuttles, like those were all based off of like actual crafts. And like, if they had all been, you know, connected to actual things, like they would, that like, I'm trying to figure out how to say this to make it make sense. But like the buttons were like, they would work. They would work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If they were connected to the things that they were supposed to, to work. Right. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's all very impressive, and going back to what you said, why had we not heard about it? Like, it just seems like a very, I don't know, interesting... That's what you got me for. Interesting, yeah. And I'm, 
and that kind of brought a thought into my head real quick. Um, I think could it be that people just were expecting something different? Because like, like, I think by the end of the movie, I realized you know, it it's a very dramatic, slow, mm-hmm. moving movie that is. It has its it has its moments of action, but it's it's very much about the relationships and the introspection, yeah, and exploring, yeah, just the without, whole, light. yeah, yeah, without being too cliche. It was never about the space travel. Gray's past two films, uh, Lost City of Z and Ed Astra, are very um, interested in the things we go through on a journey, and as specifically like a specifically arduous journey, and. Uh, Kind of like the hubris we can fall into, specifically more so in the Lost City of Z, less so in this one, because this one he's just really wants to reconnect with his dad. Um, but those are definitely two themes that he plays with, at least recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gray was, I saw him talk about it, and he was saying like, um, like one of the biggest themes in the movie was just, yeah, about the journey of moving towards what you, what you most want in life, and then when you finally acquire it and discovering like what that actually is after you 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 have it now yeah which is different in this movie <laughs> we're all going towards Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> old Tommy Lee Jones mm-hmm. he's tired he's so tired <laughs> like, I fucking love Tommy Lee Jones yeah his acting is good he mm-hmm. was great but uh yeah, so they spent ninety mil, but then they did one hundred and twenty-seven and a half. I thought you were gonna say that they were gonna lose money. I was, yeah. I mean, and that's another thing. And maybe we just live under a rock or something. But it it was a great movie and it did all right. So like, I don't know. And like you know, it's like a huge budget. It was like this big production. <laughs> like it was a well-known movie. Why didn't we hear of this? But anyway, it was released September twentieth of twenty nineteen. Um, and this was, a, this was a funny time cause this was like right before COVID when like, mm-hmm. you know, theaters were just about to go by. Yeah. Um, but this was around this time. I think most people, I think like the biggest movie at this time was like the Irishman. I remember everyone talking about the oh, Irishman yeah. fucking movie. I gotta watch it. So maybe I that's guess. why it kind of got overshown. Because sure. the rest of the movies that I came across were like cool, but not like better. I, I don't know. This is not, I'm not making a statement. But anyway, um, Terminator. You heard it here, better than the Irishman. <laughs> Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even know this came out. Doctor Sleep, which was like the Shining sequel. Dude, that movie's actually pretty good. Yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> God damn, I didn't know this existed. So maybe it was just me. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Um, Ford versus Ferrari. The Charlie's. I need to watch that movie. The Charlie's Angels remake came out. Frozen 2. All right. There's a lot of, yeah, a lot of bangers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Frozen 2 is a banger. Um, and the. The the Mister Rogers movie with Tom Hanks. Oh, I need to see People that movie t- too. I think those. I think that The Irishman and I mean, and also Knives Out came out oh. at this point. Oh, yeah. So I feel like people are talking about those the most. Big time. The so. Irishman is a. That's the movie where um, it follows Ray Romano as he's creating the Ray Romano show. I think so. It's really long. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah, the the two main folks. The the story kind of takes place around is Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones. 
So yeah, Brad, baby. Brad Pitt plays Roy McBride. He's a very highly decorated astronaut. He's chill as fuck. His heart rate never drops below 80. A lot to say about that. Even when, He's a psychopath. Even when he's <laughs> plunging to the Earth from outer space. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, Brad Pitt performances. Yes. Um, he was I'm, incredible. I'm a, I'm, I, I think I'm a pretty big Brad Pitt fan. Except, except 12 Monkeys. Oh my god. <laughs> um, you don't like when he plays somebody with a mental illness. <laughs> Are uh, Brad yeah. Pitt fans called Pit Crew? Oh my god, that's good. That's good. That's good. What about the Mosh Pit? <sighs> mosh Pit. Um, pit Vipers. There's one. <laughs> Pitties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're if you're a pit bull, you like uh, pit bull. <laughs> yeah. You, I, <laughs> you you so rarely get to see Brad. Pit in kind of like a straight laced role, mm-hmm. I guess. And this movie spends so much time with him. And even the movies where he, you know, he's the main character, um, I feel like he has like all these other supporting characters around him that you can kind of like put your attention elsewhere. But this movie, like he's doing ninety percent of the work. Yeah. And God, he's just. I don't know if he's an asshole, but he's a really good actor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that either. And not a lot of time on him, but not a lot of dialogue, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's in a lot of situations where he's talking. It's just, I mean, he has his internal monologue yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so much acting of just his face. There's mm-hmm. a, there, my, probably one of the most affecting scenes for me was at the end where he's re-entering Earth's atmosphere and all of it. He doesn't say a word. All of it is his facial yeah, acting, it's just and facial. it's just incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Tommy Lee Jones, huge fan. He can be campy as hell, like in Under Siege, <laughs> an amazing Steven Seagal vehicle. Um, <laughs> he's in a Steven Seagal movie? Yeah, dude, he's a villain. Mm-hmm. He plays a villain. Mm-hmm. Um and he gets his ass just torn apart by Stephen Skull. Um, and then he can go and do things uh, like this, like Ad Astra, and just like you forget, you forget about him, but mm-hmm. he's really good. No, he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was great. So to kind of plop these folks into the plot, um, Roy McBride, played by Brad Pitt, he's tasked with going on a mission. After there were some, what did they call it initially? Were these surges? Surges. So these mm-hmm. surges were coming to Earth. Um, the public doesn't quite know why, but lots of people passed away from them. Um, Having finished the movie, I didn't really understand no, why. I have a few gripes. That's a big one. I'm not quite sure what <laughs> yeah. is going on. That this space station was a 2.7 million. Light years away, or something. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess the explanation is dark matter be crazy. Yeah, I mean, who who are we to question dark matter's uh, capabilities? True. No, thank you. (laughs) That's the name new Pearl Jam album. Is it? That's for another. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but his. So basically the current American space entity um, sent 
Clifford McBride, played by Tommy Lee Jones, and a crew out to the the farthest ends of the uh, gal- our solar system to search for um, intelligent life. And um, they left. The mission was 29 years ago from when the film is taking place. They lost contact with the crew 16 years in. And the so we are 10 years after Brad Pitt has lost contact with his father. And I think that that's a really interesting amount of time because Mm -hmm. at that point you would likely kind of lose hope. Like if you, if you lost a loved one and there's still a chance that they're still alive, you know, you would wait, obviously you you would be hopeful that they would return. Um, but 10 years is kind of pushing a length of time where it's like, I don't think they're coming back. So I think he accepted it, at least yeah. in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he's not like a child. He He's fully integrated yeah. into the severity of and what they his do mention, did. I think, the last time he sees his dad was when he was 16, I want to say. Oh. I that's don't when remember. He goes on the, uh, that's when he goes on the mission because okay. it's going to take a fuckload of time to get to Neptune. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's these weird... I mean, this comes later in the plot, but like these little flashbacks that Brad Pitt's having of maybe abuse. And so mm-hmm. it seems mm-hmm. like last time he, his last memories of his dad are probably, I'm assuming he's like a teenager yeah. or a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, it seems like their, their relationship is complicated because the fact yeah. that like Roy has followed in his father's footsteps by way of career you know he has a respect and like also at the same time like we are downplaying the fact that this man is one one of the greatest representatives of the human race to Mm -hmm. make their way into the depths of space with the expectation that you might never come back because right um i forget did it take him was it like a couple years to get out to to where they were yeah i mean just it takes i think a year right now if we were good if 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 a spaceship were to leave for mars i think it takes a year and a half Mm. so but like it seems like the future in this movie has like they can get to mars like pretty quickly right now but yeah it would take a while they call (laughs) it a time war but it's only a 79 he sets a 79 day trip from mars to neptune yeah yeah but at that point they're 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 whatever technology they True. got going on so many years advanced yeah. since his dad left and all seems that. to cut down the time quite significantly yeah so he's tasked with going to the depths of space of which i don't think he's really been to space much right not like further beyond like kind of earth's orbit right bradley yeah yeah i'm not sure there was a scene he, yeah, i don't know where he was asked um, how much combat he's seen before going out on the moon. Because, oh, that's right, because he doesn't like know about the pirates. Right. So I, th- I yeah. think, I think this is his first time venturing out. However, I was very impressed with his know-how. He's very skilled. I was gonna say he really handles those <laughs> pirates. Yeah. There's, there's no moments of hesitation for not at for all. Roy. I mean, he's a major for a reason, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he's tasked with going out there because they think that his father is still alive. Um, rescuing him, bringing him home, 
and um, stopping the the antimatter explosion from happening happening which would then antimatter not dark oh matter, sorry. sorry yeah wrong type of matter um <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> and yeah. but uh he uh will turn that you know mechanism off and then save whatever type of life <laughs> that would have been then wiped out yeah. by this machine yeah. so um cliff and roy are the most space cowboy names i can think of <laughs> I was going to say, I really didn't like the name Roy McBride. Yeah. I was hoping for new, like, future names. Yeah. Well, that, that's an interesting that you say that because um, one of the big things that Gray, James Gray, I don't know what's an easier name to say. Let's call him James because we're like. Sure. Fifty well, Shades of Gray. We're, like, relaxed. Um, <laughs> I'm very James, relaxed right now. <laughs> I'm very relaxed. It's very dark in here. James, uh, he wanted to make sure that most of the things in the movie felt familiar. He wanted it to be like, yeah. you know, in like a, di- like a near enough future from where we are now. Sure. And based a lot of his quote unquote science fiction on things that could potentially happen. Like he did tons of research and he did, you know, he, a lot of the technology that they use in the movie, like exists, like the thing that he has on his neck, which is supposed mm-hmm. to like read your bio patterns. Like, Obviously, we don't know about it because we're like civilians, but that technology exists. <laughs> yeah, we're not citizens yet. <laughs> yeah, we got to fight. Um, but yeah, he wanted it to feel familiar. So yeah, so like a lot of the things are not that different from like how we are now. He also, you know, he wanted to make it feel, I don't, I, the word timeless probably isn't applicable, but like there's like later in the movie where it feels more, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I think they're on, are they on Mars, I think. On the space station on Mars, there's like a lot of like vintage, like 70s, like mm-hmm. mid century yeah. design. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just kind of like, just, I don't know, kind of not putting it in a place in time because there's like people who are wearing like traditional garb from perhaps where they have, you know, were living on Earth. Right. So yeah. it's kind of, yeah, it kind of doesn't really put a time stamp on it, which is cool. The- the Mars scenes were, in- I made a note about that. Like the technology looked old and then everything about like, the one woman he's speaking to is just talking about like she was born on Mars. They feel so isolated yeah, on Mars. It's yeah. like it's like a time capsule in itself. Like, they also mentioned that Mars is the only planet that didn't uh, experience the effects of the surge. Oh, mm. I missed that. They say that. Yeah. Was that significant to the plot? Not really. <laughs> I wonder why they did. You thought it was going to be, but no, not really. <laughs> I thought I uh, like the way they set up a lot of like even his relationship with that woman for like I don't know five minutes. I was yeah. like, oh, we're coming back to this, and sure. then nothing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then I don't know if you guys uh, wanted to mention anyone else from the cast. I didn't really like elaborate much on them, but I guess honorable mention Liv Tyler, who didn't learn her, didn't learn her lesson from Armageddon for I was it's the dating. <laughs> astronauts Come on. as soon as she came up though the way they developed it i was just like this is the exact same role right it was so similar feeling. it's either an astronaut or a half elf ranger wow. yeah 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 shout out arwen and also shout out oh. the strangers right she, she forgot start, she's in that yeah, she yeah, yeah. In that. Yeah, yeah but oh but she plays um roy's estranged wife because a big theme in the movie is like I mean, I don't know if it's a theme, but it's a thing. Um, Roy's very much like focused on his career, and he he can't is, make connections. Yeah, he's will he's willing to like put one hundred percent of his attention on his career, and 
what that means. You know, like like kind of like a hero complex. Like he and his father are both like we're doing this on behalf of humanity. We are, right. you know, like trying to make discoveries and, you know, do all that. So like, yeah. So in a way that he and his father, you know, have fallen off, he and his wife have also fallen off. Yeah. But anyway, um, what now? Are that, you? That's all I got. That's, <laughs> uh, we could take another break and go into the rest of the movie or we can just go into the rest of the movie. You feel where you're, we, you're where we I'm at? concerned that your room is going to get so dark that you're going to fall asleep. I feel wide awake. <laughs> Would it make you you guys feel more comfortable if I turn the no, lights? No, I honestly think it's how, very funny. How bright of a light could you shine on yourself? <laughs> uh, I have a dimmer on the main light in the room, <laughs> and it's uh, way, and it's way down. Andy, what are you feeling? You want to take a break? Let's take a little break. For a fr- okay, I need to freshen up my drink anyway. So we'll take another break, last break, and then we're gonna we're gonna probably take far too long talking about this movie. <laughs> um, all right, we'll be right back. are back now we're going to roll into the movie and boy howdy is there a lot to fucking talk about on this one mm-hmm. just like armageddon except this movie's better than armageddon uh, that, that's, that's arguable that's as symbolic your last episode was armageddon and your first episode guesting is a space movie oh my it, god to me, it feels like a perfect sequel yeah it is a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah there's so many yeah, Do you so think Armageddon is old enough for somebody to remake it? Mm-hmm. I'm honestly surprised that hasn't happened. Yeah. I wonder if Bruce Willis's condition... We're not... I don't need to go there. <laughs> Finish, <laughs> it. Finish it. Finish <laughs> it. Could he play the same <laughs> character? Just a roughneck and spit... Well, he's dead. <laughs> he no, dies. He's, he's Oh, oh, oh! In the movie, yeah, he dies. I at thought the end you of the movie. <laughs> Do you you think you're saying that he could play Ben Affleck's character? <laughs> yeah, he could play like a guy that's been through it, and yeah. that's why he's yeah, yeah, yeah. This time they should hire astronauts for an oil rig disaster <laughs> <laughs> out at sea. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're talking about a much better movie today. Um, this movie, I'm gonna have a hard time. When we did the Thin Red Line episode, I had a hard time not putting sound clips every fucking five minutes because there's so many good just tidbits. And this movie, similar to Thin Red Line, has a lot of internal narration. Right. And a lot of it is written really uh, snappily. um, And again, is elevated by Brad Pitt's performance, I think. Um, But it starts with, like we mentioned, a surge or like a solar flare, I guess, kind of. That mm-hmm. would have worked just well, not quite as well. It's an energy surge, and he is working on. They're. Bi- I love this about sci-fi. They're building a fucking space elevator. Yeah, it's awesome. And space elevators are so cool. I do like that concept. <laughs> they make no logistical sense at all. <laughs> like God, they're fucking cool. Um, and um, he. It kind. Of, I mean, this is you get this. 
movie does an excellent job of introducing you to his character because you know the search happened as he's doing a spacewalk on the satellite or satellite space elevator all of his assuming friends and colleagues start falling presumably to their deaths in the earth and he willingly lets go yeah to fall into the earth and he's like narrating the whole time he's like i'm in spin i'm trying to get control of my spin he makes it through earth's atmosphere which is like when he burned up <laughs> i guess he's right on the stratosphere right on the, <laughs> the edge remember that red bull guy jumped out of that yeah. thing he yeah. did that okay yeah he did that. <laughs> he yeah. did that yeah gotcha okay um yeah and he uh basically does the longest skydive yeah. in the world uh and is and is able like he had a parachute <laughs> well i think and that's what yeah when spencer and i are watching she's like he just had that on him the whole time there's very few silly things in this movie that is one of them and the second one is in mars when he's trying to commandeer the spaceship he climbs up the launch we call it like oh, yeah, pad, pad yeah. into the spaceship as it's going off as it's going off <laughs> <laughs> um, and again keeping that heart rate around 80 yeah 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 that yeah that's is he is the lance armstrong of mm-hmm. astronauts but in all like he is working on a space elevator i'm sure they're all equipped with yeah parachutes that, that could make logical sense in the future yeah yeah, that, I'm. I'm more so tilting my head at him, like actually making it through the atmosphere. Right. Um, but it starts with yeah. It starts with like you're really you're. He is talking to himself, and he's and and the, and his superiors are talking to him. He's like even when he was in free fall, his heartbeat never went above eighty. I'm calm, steady. I slept well. Eight point two hours. No bad dreams. I am ready to go, ready to do my job to the best of my abilities. I am focused only on the essential to the exclusion of all else. I will make only pragmatic decisions. I will not allow myself to be distracted. I will not allow my mind to linger on that which is unimportant. I will not rely on anyone or anything. I will not be vulnerable to mistakes. Resting BPM 47. Submit. Which is like insane. So you're either thinking to yourself, it's like, is this dude actually like a sociopath? Or like what 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 externally is going on with him? And you very quickly find out that like a lot, he just he's got daddy issues. <laughs> he's uh yeah, he's got a lot of daddy issues. Um and he finds out that they have been that the surge originated from his dad's ship that went to Neptune. Which is a, I guess this is my third question. How the fuck cuz they say that the surge would lead to the ending of everything. They just say like period and a story. 
if the surge got out of control, it would lead to just the end of existence as we know it. And it's just like, how would that happen? Because it would just knock out all electronics? I don't really know the science behind it. (laughs) Which is a funny sentence to say. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's... They're a butt butt actor. Their mission mission, um, out to Neptune was powered by this antimatter device. And um, it, it is now malfunctioning so i yeah again like i can't offer you any extra explanation but that is what they say and see antimatter their engine and that was how that was how they had enough fuel to get out there i think that's, that's essentially what they're saying yeah okay i would have to guess but i guess that these surges i mean imagine like just power going out with flights hospitals yeah it, it would cause thousands of deaths a day sure in a way sure um but the, the the I guess the 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 point of Cliff's Roy's dad Brad Pitt's dad who's played by Tommy Lee Jones the point of his um, journey to the outer edges of space is to a make it to the outer edges of space just because no one's ever done it before and b to see if there is an intelligent life um, which I really love how this movie you don't really get that kind of layer of like this society is really concerned with intelligent life and finding and discovering intelligent life. It just kind of sprinkles it. Like Mm -hmm. people just make little passing mentions of it as the movie goes on. There's really no reflection of what's going on on earth at all. No. Like, why are they interested? What is the current political or yeah. Any status of like how earth is doing. Yeah, there's a there's a quick shot of a Time magazine that says "Are we alone?" or something to right. that effect. Um, yeah, so it is really interesting that this kind of uh, this timeline of humans is very interested in, fi- in in finding and proving that we're not alone. Um, just kind of thinking about like Andy about Andy and I have talked before about like. Things have come out recently about like UAFs, mm-hmm. unidentified aerial phenomena, um, and P? how what P? Sorry, UAP. My bad. <laughs> um, Un- and unidentified uh, aerial farts. <laughs> Welcome to another college <laughs> podcast, baby. Um. Yeah. Um, Sorry to, just to like, der- derail you with that. Uh, no, I love fart jokes, please. Yeah. Uh, but Andy and I have talked about a lot of uh, like how there is now at least acknowledgement from our government I that there, yeah, the things in the air that they can't explain. Right. Um, but it seems like, at least from the outside looking in, that like NASA, the, maybe not NASA, but the government is kind of doing everything they can to just like ignore it, I guess, and give, like just like not think about it or give us a taste enough, yeah, and <laughs> just be like, you know, whatever is actually going on, it's yeah, much more hidden. We're just gonna give just enough for Tom DeLonge, <laughs> so he shuts <laughs> up, <laughs> stops writing those albums, my um. God. <laughs> but it's just interesting watching uh this movie with that in the back of my head because like this is like 
if aliens exist, et cetera, et cetera, is something that I think about probably on a daily basis. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because you're saying it's like a society that cares. And mm-hmm. does it feel like, I mean, we were all born at the beginning of the 90s. Like, why it felt like there was a lull in caring. Mm-hmm. But when I was a kid, I don't know, alien was, it was like a thing. Yep. And then it felt like that went away for a little. And then this whole Tom DeLonge and other you know astronauts and yeah, blink 182 yeah blink 182 came in and i don't know it just felt like this movie was a nice uh resurgence of that yeah yeah i don't know how you feel about that andy well i i heard some i, I was like watching an interview and they were talking about how like there was a, a point in time when politically and you know nationalistically there was this huge push like in, you know like 70s and on to be like you know the space race but then we like hit this point where it's like okay now we made it out there and you know, now this the soviet union's no longer so we're not as competitive or whatever and um i mean i i i don't remember specifically when it happened but like nasa lost funding and so now it's like we're kind of in this post you know caring about space shit yeah. uh time but like i think it's kind of coming back into the paradigm because there and and i would argue that this movie does a good job to kind of cover for that where it's like the next step is like commercializing space and you know it with right. with with the talks of like spacex and all of your rich mm-hmm. assholes like mm-hmm. taking their little joyrides in the atmosphere that like that's the next step that we can and and this i fucking loved when they had like commercial flights to the moon <laughs> Like I would yeah. not be fucking surprised, and if that's in our, you know, within our lifetimes, yeah. and um, you know, that's our jumping off point. Um, there's like a really incredible shot, and this can kind of take us into what I consider like a huge theme from the movie. Is they, you know, they have this big moon base, and as they're filming the the convoy going to their space shuttle on their way out to the outer um, solar system. There's a shot of the moon base and in the background, there's like that's that neon cowboy. And, you know, it's just, it's just like bringing up the questioning of if we do colonize elsewhere beyond earth, what would that look like? And arguably it'd be the same fucking bullshit. And yeah, who cares? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, to play, and I don't want to do this, but to play devil's advocate, would that at least just get us more into space? Oh, absolutely. Because I think the I think you see this in in this movie, and then into a lesser extent, there's a TV show that I really like called For All Mankind on Apple TV, which is if we lost the space race to Russia and how that would uh, all the consequences would permeate outward, and in that show it would mean that america would take mm. uh the space program actually seriously and mm-hmm. make bigger and better advancements in that um is that what s- happens in the show yeah would you believe me if i told you we watched five minutes of the first episode and turned it off? sounds like you guys sounds frustratingly <laughs> like you guys those acid <laughs> dudes were just dicks they were just they you're were... right but the movie the show is excellent I really like that show. They were just mean. I had to turn it off. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, in in like things like that and Ad Astra, it's just like 
the the I feel like at least the sub thesis of all of it is like we should really start giving a shit about space <laughs> um and getting elsewhere because this planet is fucking dying. Wait, you thought that was what this movie had Astros about? At least uh, not about, but it at least showed the benefits of having things outside of just Earth. Hmm. Did you think it was like portraying that like negatively? Totally oh, opposite. Okay. But we'll get there. I mean, there is that fucking scene where he's on that. Yeah, like Andy, you were saying that fucking commercial shuttle to the moon and he he wants to get a pillow and a blanket and it's $125. (laughs) I love the commercialization part. Everyone taking selfies at like the moon airport, essentially. No, I thought the the whole message, especially Brad Pitt's, I thought it was like an evangelical turn to at least agnostic uh, interest in space. Okay. Interesting. Huh. Um, but the movie or the movie, the beginning of the movie at least, really succinctly shows the struggle in Roy's character, right? Um, in that he is a guy that is extremely effective because, as we noted, his heart rate doesn't like never goes up above eighty. He's extremely fit. Um, his dad is a hero. Um, and he is very quickly following in his dad's footsteps, and that's why they send him on this mission to begin with. Um, but you see how this movie so beautifully just draws a line between his external character and his internal character and how much he, I think, deeply hates how he has such a hard time connecting with things mm-hmm. and feeling things. Because he's a very apathetic guy, at least at the beginning of the movie. A self-destructive side. That's what she used to say to me. I should feel something. I survived. I should feel something. Um, and the and and the movie it, like the visuals are beautiful, but also I wrote in my notes really sleepy, <laughs> um, because it's like he is in the midst of fucking driving across the moon, going to fucking Mars, and he could give less of a shit about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's just interesting. His character is really interesting. Mm-hmm. yeah he's like it's like his professionalism has become his identity yeah 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 um yeah he, the entire time he's just like so stoic and just chill and um the, i mean like even through the the like the chaos that that he encounters down the road when he's like just the feeling that they give you when you're like nearing neptune <laughs> you just feel so isolated and um it just really made me feel like so exposed and 
like it almost makes you like you you get drawn in like it's scary like you feel like you're always in danger like the smallest thing that can go wrong could be your death and the entire time he's just like doing the right thing every step of the way without Mm -hmm. showing much of emotion whatsoever and that's yeah that's just like been his i don't know the psychology behind it but he's just like cold to everything the sheer volume of things that go wrong at every step of the journey and the amount of people that die around Mm -hmm. him yeah even at his hands yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. There was oh, this. Inc- totally. There was this incredible. Um. I think it was the first time I kind of realized his his coldness was when they were being chased by the moon pirates and the. I don't know if it was. It was like. His cap lieutenant. He gets uh, shot by one of the 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 pirates. Um. And his his face mask explodes. So then he's instantly dead. And then without hesitation, he just throws his body to the side and then he takes the like the steering wheel and like starts driving the the rover which makes sense because like you have to you know for the sake of everyone else in the car but it was just like yeah like that was a very intentional like this guy's on a mission and that's what he has to do like he knew the the yeah the seriousness of the situation it's another example of why he's a good leader but also why he's so cold Mm -hmm. and so much of that scene is cold i mean it's the moon Mm. that's pretty cold and the audio, like we talked about before, like they did such a good job balancing between when to incorporate sound and when yeah. it was just completely silent. Yeah. And yeah. him taking over in such a like a, a silent, like cold way. Like he's just pushing the guy off. Now he's driving. Everything's kind of going slow because gravity is different. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, the whole thing just feels so calculated and cold. removed. Removed and cold. Yeah. Did you guys ever think about um, I had a thought, would it have been more or less effective to make some of the scenes in outer space silent? Because... I thought it, it, yeah, it could have been more just silent. I do love, um, because people don't know, but like when you're in outer space, there ain't no sound. It's silent. Is this a vacuum? <laughs> yeah. um, so I do love when, when like shows or, or, or movies do that. Yeah. I like if it was more true to it. Yeah. But then at the same time, like they kind of were the sounds that you did hear. I mean, you heard like the sounds of the explosions and like the little like laser guns firing off, but they, um, you heard, you heard mostly just kind of like muffled sounds, which I thought yeah. was cool. It was like almost like yeah. if there were a sound, maybe this is right. what it would sound like. <laughs> so that's... within your own suit kind of thing. Right, right, like right. If yeah. Things are scrunched up or you're getting shoved around. Yeah, I thought it was. Really I made the I made the hand gesture for a helmet, but uh, our listeners at home cannot see that. <laughs> uh, I thought it was really frightening when uh, there's like a fucking giant artillery gun on the base of the moon that blows up the pirates after Brad gets away. Mm. I missed I did that. not see that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I missed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, we should mention that like. Throughout this, he's being babysat by Colonel Pruitt, played by uh, Donald Sutherland. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, like, is dying? What is going on? He's not doing well. Yeah. He shouldn't oh, be yeah. up there. Yeah, at some point after their pirate mission, he's kind of like, just like, I gotta I go. Gotta I gotta go, yeah. Brad. You and did great. <laughs> they, yeah, they very quickly then usher him onto the shuttle that will take him to Mars, and then he gets a thing saying, like, Colonel Pruitt's in emergency He's not surgery. doing well. Mm. <laughs> this 
this dude failed fast. Um, But he gave him some essential information. Yes, Mm -hmm. which is... Oh, wait. What is it again? What his dad did. Yeah. Dad was bad. Oh. Daddy was a baddie. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am... I don't know why I forgot that. Um, yeah, uh, and this is probably my favorite sequence of the movie is uh, the shuttle from the moon to Mars because of the detour they take mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. a science station that has a distress beacon and Brad tries, he doesn't pull rank because he technically can't because this is a classified mission because the military does not want the world to know why he's uh, going where he's going. That helps me understand because I was a little confused why all of a sudden he was taking like a back seat. He's just like, hey, you guys do your thing. Because he's like, because the the, the pilot is like, you can commandeer this vessel, but then you'll have to disclose to us what your mission is. And he doesn't want to do that. Is that also why it seemed like he flew like, you know, just like a regular guy up to moon, up to the moon. Like he took like a commercial. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Yep, yep, yep. Because it was supposed to be like a not vacation, but it was supposed to be like under the guise of yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> they uh, they go to the they 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 hail this distress beacon, and for some reason Roy. Uh, volunteers to go with the, right. the captain of the ship um, and things go bad yeah. real fast you get a little uh, you get a little space horror here yeah a little action yeah this movie has all of my favorite space tropes which is cosmic horror space horror and um, potential aliens even though you don't know if they exist or not. Which, as we find out later, they don't? That's the mystery. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they make it on. They make it onto this vessel, and the vessel is in, not infested. There, I think there's two of them. There's at least two feral baboons. Yes, a couple peepees, potential primates. Mm. Oh. <laughs> When you said potential, there was what does the potential mean? Oh no! When you said potential, you went potential. I think I say primate. Oh, a couple pps. I didn't remember saying potential. <laughs> I don't know. I'm two beers in. <laughs> Thirty three. <laughs> Shit's hitting you. Yeah. After watching this movie, man. Yeah. I was feeling that. Um. No, I. I I've seen this movie before. You guys, you guys hadn't seen it, but I had zero memory of this monkey scene. Damn, really, so intense. Yeah. <laughs> Stands out like a sore thumb. I know, and it made me happy because one of my favorite bad action movies is the movie Congo from the nineties. Oh, I love that movie. That movie's really bad, but I love that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, or again. Outbreak. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, shout again, shout out to like the audio design in this movie because when Roy encounters the captain and he's looking at the captain from behind and you just mm. hear like the biting noises. Yeah. And then you see the monkey poke out. Yeah. It's very scary. Yeah, that um, was practical too. 
Also, baboons are freaky looking. Yeah, they are. I love them, but... Especially when they're feral. If you're going to pick a, a, I don't know, a creature, it's a, it's a freaky one. Yeah, what's like the scariest feral animal you could encounter in space? Baboons are up there. Um... Like a bear, like a polar bear. A terrible tapeworm of some kind. The Soviet yeah. Union used to send dogs out. True. They could still be out there. Ooh, boy. <laughs> Stray space dogs. <laughs> uh, if they're cold, or if you're cold, they're cold. Yeah. Bring and, them in. And <laughs> I think... <laughs> um, I think Roy has a tough time... I think this point here is where things start to turn in his mentality. Where he's like, he spent his whole life trying not... He knows that he does feel stuff, but he's done everything he can to build this shell around him. Right. And that he can't... Nothing can get in. Even his own wife uh, like can't like get under that layer of, of safety that he's created around him. Um I think this is when things start to kind of like chip away at that exterior of him um, because you can, I think you can really see it on like his facial expressions when this captain dies. Um, you know, he starts thinking about, I think, all of the people that have already died. There's already been a not insignificant amount of people <laughs> who have died for this mission. Um him thinking about that and i think hey he comparing himself to his dad because his dad took a bunch of people with him Mm -hmm. he was the captain of the of the mission to i keep wanting to say uranus it's not uranus uranus wait what i don't know yeah you're sure andy i'm having a tough time (laughs) you're doing great bud thank you um yeah neptune um he was he was the captain of that mission and he was responsible for all those people and for all we know all those people are and we do know all those people are dead but they are dead under much more nefarious reasons than we are you know we are initially led to believe we think that they are just they have just been taken by you know the outer edges of space but in actuality you know as we'll find out soon that is not the case. I don't want to rip that band-aid just yet, because I think there are things to talk about. Um, how are you? How, how did you guys like start? How did you guys feel at this point in the movie? I love that you asked that because this is when we fell asleep, and then we, and then I picked up later. <laughs> okay, to watch this again. is where Spencer checked. <laughs> did she not like it up to this point? Oh, she loved it. Okay, I think I was completely passed out. Um, <laughs> I really like the movie. Let me emphasize, it has nothing to do with the movie. Um, Were you guys high? Yeah, I was extremely high. And it was late. Um, But I I loved it. And also, me falling asleep on the couch to a movie does not mean it's bad. No, no, no. I'm tired of people saying that everywhere I go. Um, (laughs) I love falling asleep to a good movie. As we've... Emphasis, a good movie. Mm -hmm, Um, mm Mm-hmm. I also felt like music and tone, like you said, changed. I mean, yeah. Brad Pitt seemed like he changed, and Max Richter, is that who? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yeah, the score. It felt like the score changed from yeah. 
I don't know. It didn't feel as intense with the second half as he feels, like you said, coming to terms with maybe who he is in relation to his father and himself, but it it just took a a different tone. As I think he starts reckoning with actually the the turmoil that he's always felt but has never dealt with. I'm glad I like picked up the second half separate. It felt like part two. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And again, this movie is, it's very much a journey. And I think experience it in different, in like in two halves makes sense. I think Andy, didn't you say you also did that? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, Andy, how did you? Because you, you, you said that when you finit when you stopped in the first half of the movie, that you just left your keyboard on caps lock. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I was also very high, and uh, the rest of my notes are uh, all caps, and that is because. The rest of the movie made me feel so weird, and I had, for some reason, I had to convince myself, like, I had to, like, make note of that, <laughs> like... No, I, I thought this this movie made me feel extremely weird. Yeah. I don't know why. It, I like the movie a lot, but I don't think it's that profound, but I was like... No, I don't think it's that. I mean, I do think... Again, I think the idea that we're completely alone makes me feel icky. I don't know. I I kind of feel opposite, but I'm not there yet <laughs> with the plot to talk about it. But yeah, I, I felt really weird too. Because I think for me, it was like at this point, the idea of being so far away from Earth, there's no mm-hmm. one with you. You might have killed a few people. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you might not get in trouble for it. He at least directly killed one person, the pirate. Yeah. And um, just the fact that, like, Andy killed a couple you, of monkeys. Your life is so fragile at this point. Yeah. And and, yeah. and, 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 and like, this, this is a huge point of, this is another theme in the movie. Um, you know, when you, it's a similar idea from when you put, like, a prisoner into, like, isolation. Um, it, it does weigh heavily on, on your psyche. And, you know, he's 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 on this journey where he knows that he's he's could potentially find his father who he thought was dead, which is a weird thing. And he's seen lots of death. So he's like experiencing like trauma after trauma on this journey about his childhood trauma. And he's by himself. And it's yeah, it's just like so depressing yeah, and, and in just the whole setting and everything in it is like, they know what they're doing. They're making you feel this way. I know that. Um, but it, I just, I, it was like very, very felt, very thick. Yeah, it's wild to me. Just going back to the points that you guys are making about like how we, you know, I guess we weren't aware of the movie when it came out at the time. This movie hit so hard visually that like two, you know 2 years prior Blade Runner 2049 came out right and i think this movie is hitting at at just the same wavelength if not in my opinion more cuz i just like the way how grounded it is and how like plausible a lot of the technology is i just like i uh, man so much of this movie made me i like felt it 
I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I just, I just felt it in a certain way. Completely. Um. So we get to maybe this is like my favorite part. I really like the whole Mars segment. <clears throat> I like to learn about the entire like kind of ecology of Mars, the po- like the political landscape of Mars how some people have just been born on Mars and have never yeah. actually been to Earth. That's yeah, really interesting to you're me. You're called a Martian. How yeah, crazy yeah. is that? Literally. That's wild. Um, and also, you're used to Mars gravity, so like if you went to Earth, like that whole thing. Um, but then I fucking love the fucking Twin Peaks like sound studio he records his messages to his dad in mm-hmm. <laughs> those whole segments and like the, pe- the the fucking like steve job black turtleneck people who are watching him record it mm-hmm. and also i don't really understand there is a di- they call it spacecom mm. that is one entity but he is like yeah that is separate from what he is in He's like a, he's in the military slash what is I guess remains of NASA. NASA. Yeah, I was guessing that. I think that's the American. Yeah, the American entity. I I don't know if I don't I don't think there's like a is there like a one world version or is I I don't know the the politics of the extension here. Yeah, and it's maybe one of my few gripes is like it was kind of hard to understand that kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, a nuance within the movie, but in a way, I'm glad they didn't dwell on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't about that. Yeah, but are the turtleneck? This is when they get disappointed in his message. Message, right? Well, his first message is they have a script written for him, and he reads from it. Right. His second message is my favorite performance of his in the movie. Because he just starts to be real. Right, and being like disappointed with that. Yeah. Dad, I'd like to see you again. I recall how we used to watch black and white movies together and musicals were your favorite. I remember you tutoring me in math. You instilled in me a strong work ethic. Work hard, play later, as you said. You should know I've chosen a career that you would approve of. I've dedicated my life to the exploration of space. And I thank you for that. So I hope we can reconnect. Your loving son, Roy. Transmission sent. Awaiting response. And I think it's so effective because the first time he has ever tried to have a real quote-unquote conversation with the dad even though he's not really having a conversation with his dad he's just sending a message they kick him off the mission yeah 
the first time he allows himself to feel himself too much to emotion. feel something and maybe allow his heartbeat to go above fucking 80 you know beats per minute they kick him off the mission um and this has like some of the just most like breathtaking sequences in the movie when you know after that part where they're like yeah you're off mission he go he's go he goes back into his room and all of his the walls of his room are like those fucking like holographic like serenity like calm meditation app bullshit yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's he's having a breakdown mm-hmm. more right. or less um and i don't know the actress's name or the character's name but the girl that he meets when he gets to the station comes in yes um and she's she's ruth thank you thank you um and she says her parents were on that mission Mm. with his dad um and she knows what happened to them she says that his dad killed her parents and as we find out that's true because Cliff McBride gets as in um, Armageddon describes it space dementia, right? Yeah, um, and he basically like he doesn't do it all at once, but he starts basically spacing the people that he's with, right? And by spacing, I mean cutting off the oxygen in certain parts of the craft. Yeah, just cutting it. Just suffocating people. One little room. Um, But he doesn't kill them all at once, as we find out. Um, Because apparently there were a couple people that were remaining. And when Brad uh, or Roy makes it onto the ship, he he makes like a passing remark about how he killed the rest. Uh, But yeah, we we find out that his dad fucking just killed everyone because they... I guess at a certain point they were like, "I don't think anything's out here, man." They wanted to leave the mission. Yeah, how do y'all feel about that? There was this shot of his. He, I think he had like a Time magazine hanging on the wall, and it said, "The truth is out there." And then he, yeah. with a question mark, is the it, or is is there intelligent life out there? And he wrote right. like in like thick like marker, like yes, 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 because he's, you know, he's lost his mind. Also, like I think kind of going back to like making this your identity and and kind of experiencing like like a hero complex there's like there's like a lot of great stuff that comes out between the dialogue of when they meet but he he's very much like lost in this idea that like he like this is what his existence is for he has to Mm -hmm. find intelligent life and he believes it and he's gonna he's gonna go until he can't anymore and uh yeah it's 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 you know it's it's sad that that was at the expense of his crew who were like probably more practical than he was. Let's go home. And he was, yeah. like, he was like, Nope, we're staying here. And also just the fact that he's, you know, he's an older man at this point and he's dedicated his whole life to this, that he's, he's definitely like lost his mind in this idea. Yeah. 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 Um, and this is very recently preceded by the sequence of events where Roy commandeers, the ship that is going to Neptune because instead of Roy going, they pick a different team. Um, and Roy, his intention is to just commandeer the ship. What happens is every single member of the ship dies. <laughs> he just takes them out systematically. And but all he 
doesn't actually kill any of them. The first woman, because of the like the sudden surprise of the acceleration, face plants into the airlock. Yeah, I guess that killed her. The second, the second and third people, the one guy with the cool phaser gun, I guess, sh- accidentally shoots like an oxygen line and suffocates them. It is fun, yeah, how intentional it was that he's not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but then he has to then journey to Neptune by himself. Right. Where he then has to think about both how he just learned about how his dad kind of more or less did the same thing. Yeah. Even though his dad did it intentionally and he did it unintentionally. Um, and then also just like think about every kind of choice he's made. This right. person. Um, it's it a feels lot. so relate. Like I don't know. A lot of this movie felt biblical in a religious sense, mm-hmm. and he was his dad's disciple. Yeah, and trying so hard not, like wanting to follow his footsteps, but not and, trying to do everything he can to justify why his dad did what he did. Yeah, and then yeah, this is a good point in the movie where he starts having a lot of those internal monologues again in reflection and yeah we see more about his wife's messages to him i guess that are mm-hmm. like flashing through his mind mm-hmm. and that he hasn't been there for her and yeah it's tough yeah it's a good it's a good tough scene and then some of the coolest visual effects once he gets to neptune um it just looks so cool mm-hmm. um him like taking off with his tiny little shuttle kind of really close to the rings and stuff um it's all it's all just like visually so striking and then <laughs> and he finds he finds old cliffy <laughs> and cliffy hasn't been doing well he has like an old recording of what i think are the ink spots playing on repeat <laughs> Um, which is an old uh, like big band uh, like a big band and swing band that I love Um, and he starts having a conversation with his dad after he fucking arms a nuke Um, (laughs) and his dad says it's one of the fucking hardest lines in the whole movie where he says I never once thought about home Mm -hmm. yep he says, like, I never cared about you or any of your small ideas. Or your mom. And he says, I knew this was going to kill your mom. Yeah. It's just. Hi, Dad. You alone? Oh, yeah. Captain always goes down with the ship. <laughs> I've been here quite a while alone. Trying to stop this goddamn surge. What happened? The last loyal few tried to escape, and they started all this. They caused a meltdown out there, Roy. We fought, and our struggle caused catastrophe. That's why I'm here. We're gonna stop it. Get the two of us back home, maybe. Oh. Yeah. This is home. 
is a one-way voyage, my son. You talking about birth? There was never anything for me there. I never cared about you or your mother or any of your small ideas. For 30 years, I've been breathing this air, eating this food, enduring these hardships. And I never once thought about home. I know, Dad. Oh! He, he just, yeah. But what was he incredible was uh, his response, which was like, yeah, I know, Dad. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's just like, at that point, just come to terms with how shitty his dad is. And again, it's a lot of that facial acting. Mm-hmm. He's also looking at his, like, little dad. Like, his dad looks really little I mean, when he's yeah, looking I mean, yeah, he's very, up. like, gaunt. And, yeah, he's, yeah. like, looking up this, like, frail old man. And again, Brad Pitt's, like, acting is, to me, so much in the face. And he says, like, yeah, I know, dad. And it's just so subtle yeah. And he's still he even when he says that he's still like I gotta bring you home. Yeah, he's like you're going home, <laughs> and that don't work. Nope, big time. Um, we're getting towards the end of the movie here, so I don't want to like steamroll any of like you are. You were saying like you felt differently about kind of the movie's the uh, thoughts on like space exploration and stuff. Yeah, mostly just if it's this sort of uh father-son story of if his dad is sort of this uh, in a biblical sense like seeking a higher truth this pious man devoting his entire life to space going out there even though he knows there's nothing like deep down he still is devoting his life and then brad pitt making this journey as we were talking about it's this whole journey of his sort of life not only following his father's footsteps but what led or the consequences of following his father's footsteps yeah. and then it, it feels like a coming of terms that it's not so much about going to space but his last lines about saying to his dad you know his dad says i failed us there there is nothing out there and he says you didn't fail us we now know we only have each other and yeah. it's not so much about going to space but about focusing what's at home is what i thought like yeah. the opposite of that but i don't know I do, yeah, I do. I agree. I, I, I think I agree with you there, and I, I, I love that line. That line, it's my favorite. It's so simple, but still, at the same time, it's just, it's you did find an answer, and it's almost, it's almost cheesy. It's like right on the fucking line. I love it though. Um, but it's, I think it's delivered in such a way because in those last sequences when he's coming into the atmosphere and he lands. There's that big kind of pause between uh, the the army guys like ripping off the door to his shuttle and extending the hand and him like accepting that hand, right? Um, and oh, then that, also yeah, the him hand. trying to reconnect with um, with Arwen, right? Arwen. <laughs> um, Andy, how you feeling? Oh, I feel great. Cool, 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 cool. Thanks for checking in, man. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Did you feel, how did you feel, like, what was Brad Pitt's realization? Was it to continue his dad's mission or to pull it back? I think that he, 
and it's yeah, it's hard, it's hard to really know exactly what's going through. His head. I mean, he gave us a lot of away, but um, you know, he he realized that his father he he can't love him the same way because he left his family. He abandoned them, you know, and um, yeah. it, you know, not to his own fault, but he he you know went off the rails and got lost in space, and um, I think he came to terms with that, and um, you know kind of having already accepted that his father was gone of course coming back to thinking the possibility that he's still alive there's a lot of uh mixed feelings in that bag that you're about to open when you finally find him yep but then to find that he's lost his mind killed his crew has hasn't made any new discoveries it's i think he he comes to realize that like all the things that they were working towards um, got them nowhere. And he he needs to return to Earth and to, to revisit um, the things that are tangible and the things that are true to him. And that, you know, that's his, his ex. Uh, were they actually divorced? But I guess estranged wife, you could call it. I don't know if, what their relationship status on Facebook was at this point. But, um, but like- yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like, what is the worst outcome that you discover your dad has, like, you know, he's this guy who's who has, because of space, has just completely warped his mind, and he's, you know, he's a murderer and things like that, or you discover your dad who is just utterly disinterested in you. I thought you were just asking, what's the worst outcome you could find your dad in? Well. <laughs> I was like, what do those people do on, like... Twitch when they eat like the little emojis. <laughs> you think that's the worst thing your dad could do? <laughs> you walk into your dad's room and he's going, like, mm, yum, thank you for the $50 I think, donation. I think the worst outcome is I find out that my dad is really famous on TikTok. That would, oh, man. That would oh, kill me. Why? I thought that's where you're going with it. <laughs> yeah. And that's what this movie is all about the connections we make on TikTok. It's seeing your dad so small in that little space capsule. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, we joke, but like the end of this movie is so it 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 comes at you hard with a lot of stuff because after after like he has this confrontation with his dad and he kind of quote unquote convinces his dad to come back with him, they go out to do the spacewalk to his shuttle and his dad fucking rips. They they have like jetpacks essentially. Yeah. And he, um, him and his dad are tethered, and his dad turns on his jetpack to basically force Roy's hand to let Cliff drift off into space and die. Um. And then Roy more or less surfs through an asteroid belt to go back to his ship. He does take a door from the <laughs> spaceship and, and surfs through um, it. That that part was kind of a lot for me, yeah. but it was also pretty cool. There's got to be one. There's got to be one like skateboard scene, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote in my notes that he is the John Wick of space. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a and and then you know he he makes his way his, he makes his way back to Earth using the propulsion of the nuclear blast on top of the antimatter pushing him. 
towards Earth, um, in which he's able to. I think he's he saw the worst possible future for himself is to end up like his dad with no connections, right? right. And so he wants to like reconnect with the people that he's kind of done wrong by. I'm steady, calm. I slept well, no bad dreams. I am active and engaged. I'm aware of my surroundings and those in my immediate sphere. I'm attentive. I am focused on the essential to the exclusion of all else. sure of the future, but I'm not concerned. I will rely on those closest to me. And I will share their burdens. As they share mine. I will live and love. Submit. I guess that's why I thought it was like not an anti-space exploration movie, but a just being present movie. Yeah. Yeah. And what I mean by like I feel icky by the idea of being alone in the world is this like space is so big that it just makes me feel uncomfortable that there's nothing mm. else out there. Mm-hmm. Um I much more like the idea that there's, you know, some I don't know, like a fucking planet of Tan- of Danny DeVito's. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? What era? Mm. The penguin? I was gonna say, what's that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he gets pregnant? twins? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> just yeah. a bunch of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's like other Schwarz. There's like a Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger <laughs> colony, and they're always like at war. <laughs> One hat. That's where Brad Pitt had to fuel up between like, <laughs> the moon and Mars. He had to stop at that. That's point. a good. That's a good sci-fi movie. He's like, I hate this place. This place fucking. I sucks. would watch that. <laughs> Now that Schwarzenegger's back into acting, come on! What's he doing now? Uh, he was in a really bad Netflix movie or show called Fubar. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I saw him on the Super Bowl commercial. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. <sighs> yeah. He did some good acting there. Nice. How you guys feeling? Good. That we- movie did kind of flip me, though. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I am glad. No, it's a good thing. No, I, I really, I thought, I, I don't know. I loved it. I, and, feel, I felt good. Andy, I know we were texting beforehand. We were like, we have so much to say about this movie. I don't want anything for you to go unsaid. So is there anything you want to hit on? Um, or do you want to hit on me? Oh, watch out. <laughs> <Bad boy. laughs> 
Well, I mean, I did have a couple of notes that might add to the movie, but uh, I'm trying to decide the flow of it. Um, I guess I like how they like th- they're kind of painting a picture. I I don't really know where to go. F- like more uh, production shit or more like thematical shit. We're I think we're more in themes. Let's go themes. No, whatever you, yeah. Okay. Um. I think I think I really enjoy. We touched we touched on this already, but I really enjoyed thinking about like what the near future would hold, and you know, as we colonize nearby structures and what we, what we would do. Because I feel like we kind of talked about that before. I I just I'm just maybe call me a cynic, but I don't think that we would do a good job out there. But also at the same time, like um, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, it was funny. I was I was uh, watching this interview, and some like NASA reps were like, "Yeah, we um we uh we need money to do what we do. We need like corporations to be interested in this shit so that we can you know get financing and stuff." Such but, a shitty cycle, yeah. Yeah, but uh. Well, actually, how do you, th- how ahead, do you feel in, in connection to like your one of your favorite pods is the end of the world pod, and yeah. a big part of that podcast is talking about things like this and that, like oh. likelihood of us being alone is not insignificant. I'm glad you asked because this this is something I think about a lot. So yeah. I think this movie poses a very specific question, given the Fermi paradox, where. Or, no, I guess, well, that, but also in addition to The Great Filter, whereas it's like, you know, how far out do we have to go knowing the the expanse of our, our visual known universe? Which is pretty big, mind you. Um, yeah. and, and, and us not really knowing <laughs> the extent of it, but we can, you know, measure a, f- a pretty far way out to kind of guess, like, what, yeah, with what spaces can and cannot host uh, life. But um, you know, if if we have surpassed what other intelligent life have been taken out by, mm-hmm. hence why we haven't found anyone else, mm-hmm. or if that is in our future, um, it I don't Remind know. Me, it's... Is the Fermi paradox where like Earth is so just cosmically aligned to allow life? Is that what that is again? That's the or, the, the Goldilocks. Um, is that the same thing? Maybe that's the same uh, the, thing. The Goldilocks zone or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe I'm so, forgetting the specific terms, but sorry, I was thinking, I don't mean to take you off track. No, it's cool. It's like, um, you know, what are the implications of the likelihood that there is intelligent life besides ourselves? Yeah. Versus how we haven't come across it yet. Yeah. You know, you yeah, know like. Yeah. Are they just like too far away? Are they not as technologically advanced as we are? Slash, or are they just not to that point yet where they could contact us and vice versa? Um, How do you marry that with all of the UAPs that we've seen? I mean, like that, those two feelings. It's it's hard because um, you know it's 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 easy to write a conspiracy theory to align yeah. with. <laughs> how everything is under control, but it definitely feels that way. Um, like I, I saw, it, 
I don't know if you guys saw, but like semi recently, like within the last couple of weeks, there was like the best UAP photograph taken. Oh, and it's like very clearly a flying saucer, and it's most people are saying that it is legitimate, and um, it looks exactly like we what we've been seeing forever. Yeah, um, but and you know they're talking about it in Congress and shit, so it's like. <laughs> You know, it's like, why would we have any reason not to think that that shit's real? But like, why? Well, like, <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we, we still don't know anything new. That's what's the annoying part about it. So mm-hmm. it's like, so there's either there's more going on or it's silly and nothing's going on. But I don't know. <laughs> but, It'd be very funny to me if the reason they haven't visited is because of Tom DeLong. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't like his music. Yeah. He's or not. no, they're just like really fucking annoyed by how obsessed he is with them. Or annoyed that like, you know, the old Blink-22 is better. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I like the first album. I'm sorry. I don't want to. They're just up there being like, you should have never done Angels and Airways. Yeah. <laughs> There's a really frustrating part for me that like growing up, I loved NASA and like going to DC and like seeing the museums and I don't know. I was really into it. And then as I got older, I really liked aliens. And then as I got older, I was like, I don't know. The more I learned about space and how infinite and large it is, it's just, what if it's the wrong time? Yeah. I mean, we're looking, the James Webb telescope recently has images of like early universe that is millions of light years away and however many billions years old. And it's just like aliens or i mean any other life form could exist but what if it's just the wrong time right now yeah what if we're not alone we're just not living in the right we're not alone just not right now yeah and that shit i don't know it's just like it's frustrating that i wish it there was a simpler answer yeah in that regard but that's how this movie made it feel it's like yeah i didn't feel like brad pitt's character was like totally disappointed in his dad's mission he took the data back like he took the mm-hmm. time to take it out of the ship and it's yeah. not like right now it's wrong. Yeah. It's just right now it's no. Yeah, I don't think this movie is definitively saying that we're alone. No, just not right now. And yeah. that there's a healthy balance with like wondering and also being present with what we can tangibly access and not just intangibly wondering. Yeah. But then that Andy. that oh, like sorry. that like um kind of brings into the scope of what what is worth it to us to search for what we're looking for. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this, this whole movie is like people are just fucking dying left and right and going crazy, losing their fucking minds, searching for intelligent life. And it's like we as a species is like what are like is this important for us to do? Like what where does it get? Where does it get us? Like we know that the universe is fucking huge, and I yeah. I, I had a thought like I like traced it back to like Harry Potter. It's like when they're looking for the Horcruxes, but like they don't know where they are, yeah. and it just like you just like feel so like in despair. Like this is hopeless. It's like yeah. it's, it's the same exact shit. It's like okay, so we're just gonna fly in a straight line until we hit something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, Andy? I, I'm. I don't really know how recently you listened to that end of the world pod, but what side do you skew on? Uh, which like the no existence life. of there uh... could be life. Yeah. Uh. Well, where I sit right now is that I don't think 
I think that we, in the scope of humanity, we feel like we're much more advanced than we actually are. And I yeah. think <laughs> I think when it comes down to spirituality and science and if or when those two things kind of come together, I think there's a lot more going on around us that we don't know. Like, I think, like, you know, we're basically doing science within the confounds of, like, our senses, and that's pretty, like, we know that, like, animals have different ranges of sense than we do, so it's, like, our science can't even break free of our human perception, so it's it just opens up, like, huge realms of what we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, we can, like guess all we want but until we can actually like put things down on paper it's like we can't really like like you know we've we've kind of touched on like astral projection in the past and it's like that's a thing that people are like i've done it yep you don't know that i've done it but i've done it i've seen it yeah Yeah. but it's like i can't say anything about it until it happens to me you know it's just how like humans work so it's like there could be (laughs) creatures around us all the time and we don't know yeah, <laughs> it's like it's it's just wild, you know. I think that's as good as place. To... <laughs> Don't end it on that shit. <laughs> I I think that's as good a place as any to fucking stop talking about this movie that we could continue talking about for a really long time. Yeah. Um, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Absolutely. Thanks, thank Johnny. Yeah, Love so Johnny. good to have you back. Yeah, it was great. This, especially with this movie. I don't again. Yeah. I don't know why it made me sit and think so much. I think the next time we'll have you on is for another Michael Bay joint. <laughs> I need something yeah. easier. Yeah, bad, bad <laughs> boys too. Oh my How god! How do you feel about that? There's action in that. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think. God, Andy, you didn't you say that you like The Rock? The, the movie? movie? Yeah. I, oh, I thought you meant that. <laughs> that's why I hesitated. I was like trying to figure out. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that I, I had like, to specify. Who doesn't like The Rock Mac? Dwayne Johnson. Um, I saw it as a kid, and I remember thinking it was really cool. Um, Ethan and I, yeah, we Johnny and I, we were going to do an episode on it, and we tried to watch it, and we fucking hated it. <laughs> How far in do you think we got? Half? No, oh, I, I, I thought you were going to say half an hour. Yeah, that sounds. Right. It was more like maybe twenty, twenty-five minutes. Yeah, we just then we just got really high and watched Terminator Two. That was awesome. That's a much better movie. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Thank you so much for coming back on. Absolutely. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yes, if you like our theme song, it is Two Mellows the Welcoming" off of uh, Atmosphere Core Music Volume Two. If you like our podcast, please review it on Spotify and Apple. Only five stars. Nothing less. And if you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at commandoprompt.pod or at commandopromptpod. Uh, Johnny, is there anything that you want to shout out before we go? No, I have nothing to plug, unfortunately. Um, All right. Check me out at uh, Helium Comedy Club. I'm doing... (laughs) No, I got nothing. As soon as you started talking, I was like, this is, not, <laughs> this is fake. No. Um, next episode, uh, we're going to be doing, I think, Andy and I, just based off of what our next guest decided, uh, we're going to do time loop movies. We'll be having author J.S. Dews on the uh, the next episode. She's the author of the Exiled Fleet series, a sci-fi book series that I really like. 
Um, and yeah, thank you so much for listening once again. Hell yeah, thank you, Free Palestine. Please, yes, yeah. do that, and also leave cookies out for Santa. That's not as important. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm not good at this thing. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.